the Sacred Jonas Podcast. All right, we're live. Sitting with David Poku. What up? What's up, bro? Been wanting to do this for a while. Yeah, yeah for sure. So, can you actually tell the audience who you are and uh, what you do? I am David Poku. I work in the food truck space, the event logistics space, and primarily events as a whole. Um, yeah, so uh, you want me to take it back? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just take, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, early on, to the beginning. yeah, Texas State, I'd say Texas, around Texas State uh, college days where I met you, essentially. Um, Go Bobcats. Yeah. And basically, I right when I got to Texas State, I always had an entrepreneurial mindset, and I was trying to figure out a way to make an extra income. And I got into the party scene. I got there, con- connected with like six or seven people. Jesus, as you know, is one of them. Um, and I developed a team called Texas State Team YOLO, um, which spiraled into what what I created as a an event promotional company college parties um and that's kind of how i ran into you with the uh with the party, uh, party buses. buses yeah yeah and so from then on i was doing nightlife events i wanted to try and figure out how to elevate from that right i'd, I'd seen the one of my mantras is the movie great gatsby um i saw that film and and i said how do I get out? How do I get away from throwing college parties um, and throwing like club events? And so I started throwing club events after I graduated. Um, and then I said to myself, how do I get to throwing like mansion parties? Right. Hmm. Elevated to that. Wait, real quick. How yeah. how old were you when you were doing this? Um, That's a good question. I first started throwing parties, I, I want to say 16, 17 ish. Yeah, 16, 17. How'd you get in the clubs? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I was throwing, I mean, at times 21 and out parties um, when I was like 19. So um, the club owners, once you get in, that's the weird thing about like nightlife. Once you get in good with the, the club owners, um, they kind of co-sign it or vouch for you. And then you're able to kind of, um, and you, you know that too, because you were dealing with the club owners as well. Um, but they vouch for you and kind of, you kind of have freedom, right? I, I didn't drink. So it was never that I never like pushed the envelope there, but yeah, once they vouch for you and, and they realize like, look, this dude's here to make money. So am I, um, the rest is history when it, as far as like the relationship there. But um, but yeah, ultimately what I did or what I wanted to do was throw like very early on. My vision was just throwing high end events, right? Okay. Um, that's kind of how I like do the mansion parties or naked sushi, just really stuff that, that boggles the mind. Essentially. I always wanted to do something to where it's like people walk away. They're like, this was like a bucket list thing or they did or saw something that they never ever seen at a party right. before. So that was kind of okay. um, the initial conception of the thought that that led me in the direction that i am today so okay so you you've always wanted to throw bucket list things so i i know that you um you know you've done the stuff at texas state you've done the mansion parties and then at some point i know you got a chance to work with some pretty prominent people yeah can you kind of talk about that yeah yeah so uh i got i got pretty lucky i'm not gonna lie um there were there was a time specifically where um, 
a connection of a connection. That's the one thing I absolutely love about this industry. And I know you know this just as well as I do. It's literally referral based. I mean, we are not out there having to advertise our business. Once you do good work, it's, it's word of mouth and people come, come uh, crawling to you or come calling you. And so, um, essentially what happened was there was a time where someone connected, um, the PR or publicist of Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx. Wait, no, no. Uh, let me back up. Okay. Of, <laughs> no, no, of Dave Chappelle. They connected me to Dave Chappelle. Um, one thing that I guess in this particular industry that I was known for was I could do, um, big scale things in a very short amount of time with very short notice, right? So their team reached out uh, to me. Um, Dave Chappelle's road manager called me and said, Hey, we're trying to do some, uh, an event at Willie Nelson's house. Um, this was right around the time that Chappelle got that big Netflix special. And oh, so he was yeah. in town in Austin. He came into town and did like 15 shows in the course of like two weeks. So one time they called me and they were like, yeah, we were told you're the guy that can help us put together um, what he does as a juke joint event. And um, yeah, one thing led to another. I got to spot the liquor sponsors. Um, they had already gotten the venue. I got the staff. In two, three days, we've put all this together. And I mean, little did I know I would be throwing an event that he had Erica Badu, um, Snoop Dogg. Um, yeah, there was just a gang of celebrities that I didn't even know was attending. Um, the one thing that people don't know about Dave Chappelle is he likes to perform. Um, and not just like the comedy, but he likes to do music. And so like, he just literally did like, I don't want to say acapella, but just on the spot, just making They're music singing? live. Yeah, li yeah, live with them, live. It was the most incredible. Wait, thing. wait, was Dave was Dave singing? Yes, he. No, so he was <laughs> like he was he was singing and like it's hard to explain because it's not like he's singing, but it's like he's making music or making noises to go along with it. Oh, like beatboxing or something. Nah, sort of. It's like making the beat and and he's just he's almost just making like you know like if if, if like a, a vocalist is singing and then you're like, yeah, like, you know what I mean? He yeah, just adds yeah. to it. he he's like he like literally likes to to vibe live. There's no there's no script no scripting. He's like calling it's, like we're in the green room, right? Snoop Dogg's in the green room, Erica Badu's in the green room and then we're, everyone's all smoking. And he'll just, he'll just call him up. And, and his, his band is just making music right then and there. And they're just literally, he's like putting them on the spot and they're like, they're performers, right? So they, they don't, they don't, they're like, this is, this is easy for me. Yeah. They're literally just making music live, bro. Just, just whatever. nothing's, nothing's pre-recorded. They're not even making music. They're not even singing songs. I mean, they did. Don't get me wrong. They're not even singing songs that they've made before. They're just, just this on the spot vibing. Yeah. This and vibing. it's, yeah, that, 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 so that came right. Um, word spread about that event and they started, um, referring, um, people my way. And that landed, I guess, the publicist of Jamie Foxx. Um, one of, uh, one of the people on his team reached out, said, Hey, on Father's Day, we want to have a party at Jamie Foxx's house. And mind you, I'm like, this is too good to be true. But then again, right? 
So it was. Happen. So it was that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I was like, at this point, I have to just believe whatever whatever is being said and just flesh it out. And so that happened. I got the sponsors, and mind you, this was in California, and I was all the way in Austin. I couldn't make it, but I literally logistically put everything together from the liquor sponsors. I even sent people out there. Um, the party was incredible. Um, and yeah, it's just super chill. Like the one thing that I, I think I'll remember from that, mm. that all of my, um, friends that actually went, Timmy Teo actually went to from, uh, uh, Texas State, um, is that he was just super chill. Like his, his, his kids were there. Just super chill. One thing that I guess, I guess these guys have in common, Dave Chappelle and all, they just don't like cell phones. They don't like people being able to record, which I, I guess they you don't want. Understand yeah, that. the tabloids, they don't want it yeah. going out. But other than that, they're just, they're just like you and me. They're just super, super chill. Have a good time. Have a, have a party. And, and, um, that, that's kind of how that whole situation, um, came apart, uh, came apart with the, or came about with the, uh, Dave Chappelle and Jamie Foxx thing. Okay, that's that's pretty awesome. I, I know, I mean, I've known you for a while, and I know the fact that I've seen you grow. Yeah, yeah. And it's Likewise. it's it's actually been insane the amount of growth you've done in your business, and even where you've Appreciate taken that. it. So let's let's go to where you're at right now. I know you have a huge client that the audience doesn't know about. Can you talk about uh, yeah. that? that uh, <laughs> so he's racing? talking about uh, Formula One. Um, one of my clients is F1 Experience. Um, I, to this day, I'm trying to recount on how um, the stars and the moon aligned for the referral of that client. I can't even remember how I got it, but basically, um, and not to downplay it, because I, I, so appreciative of, of, of the opportunity in the first place. But, um, a year and a half ago, two years ago, mm. um, I got the opportunity to, um, or have Formula One or F1 experience, which is basically, I mean, give you some background. F1 experience is the event concierge company that handles the opening event for Formula One. They handle um, selling skyboxes. They do a, a lot, but essentially any Formula One event around the around any country, they handle um, that event. And it's the, the day before Formula One actually starts. So Formula One usually always starts for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They open the event on Thursday. You get on the grid mm -hmm. um, or the racetrack. You you meet the the drivers. Um, you see how the pit lane works, how they change brakes, all that. Basically, get like the the closest look you'll ever get to Formula One, and actually what takes place is is on uh, is on F one experience. And so that client reached out. They said, "Look, man, we're we need food trucks or we need food." And um, initially, that's how it started out. Then they kept giving me more responsibilities because you know how sometimes you have clients and you're just like, hey, if there's anything else I can do. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like, actually. <laughs> that's exactly that. Now I can remember lucid. Loose, like vivid. That's a vivid memory I can remember. When I literally said, is there anything else that you can do? And they just gave me a list of things. And at that time, it was just. I was going through the motions of just saying that, but once I got the list, I realized that these guys, and they're from the UK, so uh -huh. 
Um, they're, they just have comfort in knowing that like, look, wherever we go, if we have someone on the ground that can handle this, why not? Yeah. Right. Why, 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 why burden ourselves with trying to figure stuff out that ex- there's an expert locally that, that can, right? And so, right. um, so yeah, when they get here, um, they have me handle everything from security, um, the heavy equipment, the food, um, loading that this year in particular, or this past year in particular, I had the honor of being able to actually, um, get the actual supercars or like the one, like the vintage cars or the uh-huh. one. That's one thing that I was able to do. I was able to get the actual cars that, cause there's show cars on the grid too. So you walking around, you're seeing the actual supercars that they use on the track today, uh-huh. the, old, the old versions. And then they were like, Hey, we, we have the ability to uh, pay people for like very, very unique one, one of a kind vehicles. Right. So I, I know people that own, one of a kind cars, and so I was able to get them involved, and that that Wait, to me. Was are you saying of, that you sold? You got the uh, no, no, broker the sale? No, no, no. They they so they're so so on the on the actual racetrack. Okay. Um, imagine bars, food trucks, F one vehicles, modern day ones, like what it looks like today, and then the oldest style ones. Um, imagine like, um, just it's almost like a. Uh, like a pop-up car show to a degree, a very small aspect of it. Okay. Right? Um, so like, for example, one year, the year that we were in uh, Portugal, or I think it was Portugal, um, where it was, it was a year where I was, I was, I was handling Formula One and I wasn't actually physically there. I can't remember. Been Belize. Belize. Yeah, it might maybe maybe. I, I remember I would actually have some like footage of you ago. talking. It was two years ago. Yeah, on the phone. You're talking, talking on the phone. I'm like, this, so, this dude David's always working. Yeah, so they got the ghost. They had the Ghostbuster, like the the Ghostbuster car. So they're trying to get like once in a lifetime, like the Batmobile. One time they had, and so this year oh, in wow. particular, I was able to get um, custom cars. I got like a cut custom um, Rolls Royce, a Bentley like this T-top and so yeah they're giving me like more, as the years go they've realized creative control it's just giving more creative control uh, and so um yeah that's how this whole all sprang about but yeah ultimately this is one of like I guess one of my more most coveted as you said one of my most coveted clients um I wasn't even into Formula One to be honest with you the first year but um after watching Netflix I I developed a newfound respect for like the whole entire culture, the drivers, mm. what they have to go through and all of that. So yeah, that is essentially what, or I guess my relationship with F1 experience and Formula One. Then, yeah, and that's absolutely amazing, man. Yeah, appreciate that. So you said something I think that's really important. You said that the way that you've moved up in your business is you've done great work and you've been recommended. Yeah. I've definitely had that exact same experience. Um, there was a point where, you know, I was trying to do everything I can to get clients, mm-hmm. you know, paying for leads, um, spending ad dollars, uh, just doing whatever I can. Yeah. And then at some point 
I just started getting so good that people started to refer me. And yeah, it's yeah. The same thing with you. What would you tell someone who wants to become an entrepreneur? They, they don't really know what it is they want to do, but they know that they want to work for themselves. What advice would you give someone? That's a good question. Who wants so to do that? I'm not going to give the cliche answer. Um, which is like, everyone's going to be like, hard work. <laughs> honestly, honestly, okay, honestly, I think really what it is, is you have to find, you have to find your, like, I kid you not, like, this might sound cliche. You have to find your passion. I mean, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I've done so many different businesses, a hair company, whatever, but you have to find something that like, Literally, the way I think about it is this. If you're working a job or a business and someone calls you and you say, I don't take calls after X or I don't take calls after five, that is not your passion. Because I literally, to this day, almost 24 hours a day, unless I'm sleeping, if someone is calling me about my business, I'm sure you're the same way. Someone's calling me about, about my business or calling me to help them with something that they have going on that's business related um, that I can help. I literally do not feel like I'm working. So I think the the advice or the direction or insight I would give someone that is trying to be an entrepreneur is don't try and force yourself to like something because... Um, you see a money opportunity. Find something that you like and then create that to become a money opportunity. A lot of people do it the other way around. Like they see, they say, oh, real estate makes a lot of money, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. you can make a whole bunch of money doing real estate, but if you don't love it, it's going to be a job. No matter if, if no matter if you're the owner of the company or you're an employee, it's going, it's it's ultimately going to be a job. Yeah. And so, like, I think. We have to reverse engineer the, the thought process. Don't look at what's making money and try and focus on that. Look at what you love and then try and make that make money. Listen, man, you are preaching to <laughs> the choir when you say that. I think we have it all wrong in society. We teach people to take the, um, you know, the, the low risk route, mm -hmm. finds to find a, a job that you know, take the low risk route, find a job that is going to pay you X amount. You may have uh, raises over time, retire at 65. That route's actually not, it doesn't exist anymore. When I'm saying you're preaching to the choir, it's like, I've seen you do it. Mm -hmm. I've done it myself. Yeah. Every, like almost and a lot of the people around us. I, I, I think we can even sound a little bit crazy talking about it because it's like, I'm not going to answer the phone at midnight and it doesn't seem like work when it, like I would, I hope people understand like that. It's so true. I will mm. stay up until 2am, 3am editing. Yeah. And it's, I want to do it. You know what I mean? I'm like, and, and it's, it's a different level of living when you actually wake up excited to do what you Absolutely. already do. Absolutely. Can you share maybe a, vulnerable moment or a struggle that you faced and um some insight on how you might have gotten over it covid 
COVID was a blessing and a curse for a lot of us, I'm sure. Oh, <laughs> I, I know this so story. So the industry I'm in, <laughs> the, in the industry I'm in, right? Um, obviously, the food truck festival was uh, something that I that I run, and then the, the events. Period, like event logistics for companies, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. So when COVID hit, the way I saw it was my industry was the first to close or be shut down, essentially. Right. So I had to get very, very clever and strategic. Um, I had relationships with food trucks. And I had relationships with properties. So when COVID hit, the, the curse was my industry was shut down indefinitely. Didn't know exactly what was going on. Um, and the industry, when you're, you're talking about the food trucks. The, the events, period. Because at that time, I hadn't, I was only doing the, I only created a festival at that time, right? I was That's only, true. Yeah. So the COVID, created apart from me figuring out the whole mask situation <laughs> apart from me what, doing the, all hold, that. On, hold on hold on what's the mask situation bro so essentially when, i don't even I, when covid started i i realized are the infrastructures that be whether it's got the the federal state i real i saw mm. how those structures failed Mm-hmm. Like literally, clearly, and and it was such a dawning experience because I had the ability, and this is because I ran the hair company. Um, I was I had already done international business for a while, so I had the ability to reach out to all of the factories um, that I had worked with in India, China, whatever. Right, China was shut down, so that that was like not like I was a non opportunity, but. I reached out when, when there was a mass shortage. And I mean, I, I, when I say a mass shortage, I mean, there was, there was doctors in surgery rooms wearing bandanas at a time. That's how crazy our infrastructure failed us to a degree, right? We're, I've we heard were operating it was that bad. <laughs> exactly. But it really was. And the reason I know is because you would be telling me these things. Yeah. Yeah. Mind you, my brothers are in, like that. Yeah. Like, my two oldest brothers are are in, in the medical field. So they were telling me all this craziness and it's just unbelievable stuff. And so I had connections with places that manufactured masks. Um, so the three ply masks, I was getting them. I found um, a reserve storage of N95s. And so like to know that, I kid you not, there was, there was a time sacred, mm-hmm. Texas Health and Human Services, a government <laughs> funded, uh, agency that oversees hospitals was calling me and placing orders for masks. And da- I, David. It's just impossible to, it's impossible to fathom David. that they're calling, they're calling me for masks for their hospitals. It was impossible to, to understand that. Bro, the reason why, if I need to know how to do anything, I call you. <laughs> that story is the reason. But so, so yeah, go on. So COVID happened. Yeah, so COVID happened, and so I figure out the whole mass situation, and I, I and I'm and I'm telling myself, and I was obviously taking care of my family, my friends. I was like, look, mask, y'all need mask, like. My I remember, brothers. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and they're at high levels, you know, like Michael's like a uh, hospital administrator and stuff. So he was at a high level. He was, he was looking at everything 
like, oh my gosh, there's hospitals that are putting bananas on and stuff like that. And so we, we were getting the, the nitty gritty of this and hearing about it. And so when that happened, I knew, I knew to myself, yeah, and the, the, the event industry's down, right? But I'm able to make money here, but, but this is going to be short lived, right? At some point, all the factories are going to open back up yeah. and the demand is not going to be there. And so through that time, I realized, um, and just to get back, just to get back to the question, this is a time that I had to face adversity. The adversity obviously was that the entire, the entirety of, of my business, like, Shut down. Yeah. Right. So, so you start seeing I, I realized, yeah, we had to pivot. We had to pivot. So I had to sell masks for a while. And then I realized this is not going to be something I'm going to be able to do for the rest of my life. Right. At some point, they're going to get back to regular levels. And so food trucks started reaching out to me. So when COVID started, Food trucks, whether they were at malls, Rainy Street, all of the highest grossing um, locations, all the food trucks were abandoning their spaces, right? Because they're not going to pay rent if they're not making money. Mm. And so they started reaching out. I had contacts with all the food trucks and I had properties. And so I put two and two together and I said, how can I make a living and help them make a living with these connections. And so I started doing rotations. And so now what everyone is seeing all over, uh, I mean, obviously it, it gravitated. I'm not saying I started it, but <laughs> it gravitated everywhere. Everyone started to realize like food trucks going around like the ice cream man. And that's exactly what I focused on. And so I created what I, what I made as COVID safe rotations. Um, and that essentially is the lifeblood of what I'm doing. And to, just to kind of dumb that down, what it is, is it's me connecting with food trucks, whether it be catering, um, going to apartments, HOAs, whatever, um, creating a landlord tenant relationship where the food truck is giving a percentage of their sales that I schedule. Mm -hmm. um, and then I handle the schedule. So let's say you were a food truck owner, uh -huh. um, hypothetically, you'd say, David, I'm open six days next week. I'd schedule six days. My goal is to make you as much money as possible because I'm getting a percentage of your sales. Mm -hmm. And so once I started doing that, I realized I need more food trucks and I need more properties. So I started hiring people to help with both of those facets. Um, and so now I'm scheduling for about like 20, 30 different food trucks between a hundred ish, 120 different properties. And so that's how the food truck rotations came about. But now I can honestly tell you that had COVID not started or had COVID not happened, I would never be where I'm at with that business. That's why that's the blessing part of it. The curse right. was the shutdown, but the blessing was the fact that I was able to create, um, that that entirely different new business for myself. So that's the most passive income I've ever created. That's so, yeah. and that's insane. It's not to like, say it's not a lot of work, but it's I, I mean, yeah, no, I I know it has to be a lot of work <laughs> scheduling 20, 30 trucks. But it's just it's just so crazy the fact that the world shut down. People are you know, they don't know what's, you know, when's the next yeah. paycheck going to come in. You're out here like, 
how do I turn this into a win? And you do it. That's, that's one thing. That's, I think that's that's a great that's a great point. Because one thing I didn't hit on is that there were so many people that were just waiting on the government to help them. Yeah. And I, I got real with it and said, look, if there's millions of people waiting, within those millions of people, there's going to be a couple of people that are saying, you know what? Forget this. Let me go pave my own path and then people will follow. And so that was the mentality I had. I'm not going to lie. At a, at a time, I was like, I really don't know what to do. I'm just going to wait this out. Yeah, same. But, I mean, we both. Bo- I, 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 you did too. You, yeah, you, same. you figured it out. You figured it out too, though. Like, we, I mean, there was times, bro, um, when 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 H E B was running out of produce, and we figured out the whole getting produce on oh, demand. Delivered. Yeah. Oh yeah, like, yeah. That's what. I, so that's what I mean. Like, COVID created, like. Almost super superhumans in a sense when it came to entrepreneurship because if you were an entrepreneur before COVID, you honestly didn't have a choice but to be. Yeah, you have to think a little bit more. Yeah, you had to. Like you could, I could work a job at HEB and be complacent and be like, oh, I'm a I'm an essential worker or I'm a nurse, or whatever. None of them had to not not to downplay. A lot of those people's jobs because they're putting their lives at risk, right? They're putting their family's lives at risk, having to go to work and yeah. having to deal with people that are dealing with COVID. But because they had job security, they were not put up against a corner like a lot of the people that did not have non-essential jobs. Yeah, yeah. And so I think co- what COVID did is it, it created a new era of entrepreneurs. Absolutely. It, it almost like it's almost like people when, when people say the only way diamonds are made is through pressure. We all experienced pressure, that, especially the people that were non-essential workers. We we all experienced a sense of pressure because it's like, look, at some point we have to say, if we're going to be shut down for four months and now it's turned into a year, now it's turned into, what, what, what can I do to provide to the community and myself, but not just wait for a check that the government's going to give me? And I think that created like a new mindset of, yeah. of like independent and independent minds of people that are like, let me just go out and do it my own. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Even even like all those pop-up, um, the test, testing, the testing oh, yeah, came yeah, yeah. out, those, oh, those wow. pop-up testing sites yeah. all over. I, when I started seeing that and I saw that regular people were running them, <laughs> I was like, yo, I missed out. <laughs> I, I, was like, I, mean, I was looking that, at those numbers. I remember that. Yeah. At those numbers. I'm like, the government paying people like $4 a test or whatever, like yeah. up, to, up to $12. And like, the, the test, so like the tests are free for the customer. Yeah. You just got to set up the shop yeah. and get people to get there. I was, and the was government's going to pay for it. I was Some people made a lot of money doing that. That was incredible. But again, but again, the, the thing is, it's like to, at some point you realize this isn't going to last forever, right? So you have to, even though someone could have made a lot of money, you have to. The thing I like about COVID is it makes you pivot. It makes you say, look, I'm making a lot of money now, but this is going to be short lived. So yeah. I have to be, I have to be on my toes and not planted in my souls so that I can take another step when this, all of this does down. And that's, that's what I love about COVID. It, I think I'm better for it, for sure. You absolutely are. I mean, especially with what you do now. But so let me ask you this. Yeah. Do you think the food truck 
rotations are going to last forever? Or do you think you're going to have to pivot again at some point? That's a good question. Um, here's, here's why it, here's why it will. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of companies that, that, that are competing in that space now. But the reason why is because the reason why I think it will last to a degree forever, but just iterations of, of it, it'll be a, a varied, it'll be a varied version of what I'm doing now. The reason why it'll last is because we through COVID have conditioned a new behavior. That's true. You see what I'm saying? So like, you know how like during COVID, People started like initially it was like, oh, people were putting masks on and stuff. And I and I it's funny because early on I was telling people like we're gonna become like we're gonna become for a little bit a culture of what how we make like masks fashionable. And then there's people wearing masks like seven, eight, nine months. There's people buying oh, like, masks. like Gucci masks, yeah, yeah, exactly. Masks, yeah. Exactly. So I think when you create a scenario where you are able to create a tendency of, 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 of changing someone's behavior. Yeah. That's completely different scenario. So the, so the reason why I'm saying it may not be exactly like I'm doing it right now, but it's always going to be existing is because people have, have, it's, it's commonplace for people to expect some sort of food truck at a neighborhood now. Yeah. They're more mobile. It's actually like, it's almost made food trucks be legitimately what they were designed to be, which is, on the move and versus like, oh, we're going to go to a food truck park. No. Right, right, right. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, that's, it's just, just to even break it down even more. So Joe gets home from work, doesn't feel like cooking. There's a food truck that's right inside their neighborhood. So every single day, no. there's a different truck Good question. every week. It depends. So there's some properties that have like two, three trucks a week, but for the most part, to really focus on making sure that truck is successful, there has to be FOMO, right? There has to be a fear missing out. So if you can have a truck coming to a neighborhood every day, the food truck sales won't be, well, they'll be subpar because people are like, oh, if I miss tonight, there'll be yeah. a truck tomorrow. So I always try and do just one truck at that particular neighborhood a week and just vary that, oh, right? So if I said so the Mediterranean truck, yeah, yeah. So they're like, oh, Sundays. Yeah. They get a menu. Coming. They get a menu Don't and I try and dinner. stick to the day too. I try and stick to the day. So it's like food truck Fridays or, or take out Tuesdays or whatever. Uh, I try and stick to it. So then, so even if they miss the email promotion or the social media posts from that community, they know. They can stick specifically a day in their head that like, I don't know what truck is coming because I didn't read anyone, any email or text, but I know that on Tuesdays from five to seven thirty, we will we'll have a truck. So I'm going to go support. So yeah, that's kind of that's more so how it works. That's smart. Scarcity. Speaking of scarcity, no, nah, let me let me not even lead into this. Like, <laughs> I was gonna talk, I was gonna ask about your relationships. <laughs> so, no, I want to jump into I want to jump into that. I want to no, no, jump into so, that. No, but I, I jump just, into just, like just throwing it into scarcity. Okay, so just because I know you, I can do this, but. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know life as an entrepreneur um, is really can be really be tough, um, especially in the relationship world. Can you talk about 
your dating life, maybe as an entrepreneur? Yeah, I would say my mentality on relationships is different. I think I've initially formulated a mindset of like, oh, people know what they want. Like the girl knows what she wants. The guy knows what she wants. And then essentially that lines up. What I've realized is that like through the movies, like Collateral Beauty, I realize when you, when you have an astute focus on something, you miss the peripherals. So what I mean by that is like, have you ever had a situation where like you're looking for your keys? And or something specific. Yeah, I, I look for my keys every day. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually like forget them somewhere like, every day. And so you're looking for your keys, right? And you're like almost looking everywhere. You're almost like, God must be playing a joke with me because I swear they're here and you just cannot find them. And then you stop looking and then they're like literally right there. Yeah. That's how I see. That's how I see certain things in life when it comes to relationships. I I am a guy and, and you're much like um, as far as the adventure side goes, we like to do things that the average person is not going to do for fun, right? Yeah. We, we, when we're traveling or whatever, we're not trying to just when we're dwell on the beach. Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're trying to do stuff that's like, at the end of the day, when we're 80 years old, when people are talking about stories, we can be like, we did that. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're just not, just, we didn't miss that. We didn't. You, you we, do a little more than I do. Yeah. yeah I, <laughs> but that's what I mean. But I just, I'll, I'll do like 90%. <laughs> <this year. laughs> But I mean, I mean, so, so going back to relationships, I've really thought to myself, I'm not going to focus on thinking that I know specifically what I want. Oh, don't get me wrong. There, there are qualities I think that I'm going to need, right? I need, I'm going to need like an alpha, an alpha chick. I don't want like a subordinate, um, I'm going to need someone that's like business minded to a degree, but for the most part, I don't like to see situations like a checkbox. Like a lot of people will say, I know exactly what I want, blah, blah, blah. Right, right, right. I don't want to see it like that. Cause I think in my mind, the things that, the things that I'm doing, I'm going to bump into my soulmate. Cause a lot of times when I, I'm going to bump into my soulmate. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of times, like when I've gotten into relationships, it's always gotten to a scenario and you know this, I have an addictive personality, bro. I'm, when I'm skydiving or whatever, I'm doing it. I'm on the lake. I'm doing that all the time. And so I've realized like a lot of times it's gotten to a point where the girl I'm seeing or dating is like, Hey, you're doing this too much or you, and it's taking a lot to compromise because I feel like I'm, I'm not my genuine self if I have to compromise the, the, the biggest part of me that, the that you makes like to me do. happy. Yeah. Right. And so like when someone's like, yeah, stop skydiving, blah, blah, blah. Skydiving gives me a rush that no one, no one can give me. Yeah. So how could I, you know what I mean? I don't see a scenario unless I'm 90 years old or can't walk or I don't see a scenario where I'm not doing something like that. So in scenarios like that, I, I just realized that Instead of looking at something to where it's like, let me see this very tune focus and mm -hmm. like an, like an almost like a job application where I'm looking for someone that has this job responsibility that has this many years, this I'm, I don't, I don't see it like that. I see it as let me just bump in to someone, um, that ends up being my soulmate. 
by by way of the doing the things that I love, right? Well, may it may be scuba diving, it may be skydiving, it may be. I think someone that has shared the activity side of what I'm doing is gonna be the start of it. To mm. a degree. But yeah, to your question, <laughs> um, I think time is is always an issue. Um, I'm not the type of guy that's like, I can't just be like hanging out. Every single day, I'm always on the move. You know that, right? I mean, even even when you call me, sometimes like like I'm text. I'm always able to text. By the yeah, way, he, yeah. Even when you call me, sometimes I'm like always on the move. But like, I yeah. kid you not, bro. I've never had to work as much as I've had to work in the last um, like three, four weeks. Um, the food truck business, like when you're actually in the ownership side of it, it is very incredibly difficult, bro. Like whether it's staff, events, keeping up with schedules. I mean, let alone keeping up with 38 food trucks that you don't own and then three that you are a partner in is, it's already, it was already difficult. <laughs> no lie. It was already difficult. But to, to add the component of ownership um, is incredibly difficult. So on the relationship side, I think what I do need to find is someone that doesn't need the daily attention of like, oh, let's go to the, let's go to the park today and we can just lounge around for eight hours and, and do nothing. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I completely understand the sentiment. I, I know at this point in both of our lives and to be honest, man, like I, I'm at a point where I, I work a lot. Yeah. But as, and, and I work more than the average person. I think a lot of, females would be upset at that yeah yeah you work even more well no so here's the thing you work even more i already know you here's do. one thing that's true though because I, I i realize where you're coming from the editing the one thing that we even as friends when we're traveling with you bro and and i apologize for this because when you make videos and stuff and you and you create content to us we, I think this is goes for everyone. People don't see the behind the scenes. A lot of the food truck owners are like, "Bro, help me with this." All you're doing is sitting around. <laughs> I'm like, "Bro, it's the last thing I'm doing." Like, and so like with you, we always press you. Like, bro, we just went on this trip. Where's the? Where's the? Like where's after the we land, where's, where's the footage? After we land, like, and so and so, I'm realizing, I'm realizing that like. There's a lot of behind the scenes that goes, that takes, that goes into place with your industry, with my industry. And so like, that's one thing I've realized, even just like with your bags, when we realized, bro, how heavy your bags were. (laughs) (laughs) For y'all, for for the audience, whenever I go on trips with him and like some other people, some, a lot of times I film it. Oh, I'm walking around with a 50 pound bag. Through the jungle. Incredible, man. And these guys are like, sacred, catch up. Yeah, yeah. It's just. And to that point, it's just, it's, it's, it's the things I think, it's the things people don't see. Yeah. When it comes to time commitments. Cause yeah. they're only seeing like what you post or they're only seeing the, the final product. They're with me. They're only seeing like when I'm at the food truck festival or, or at the end of the event or whatever, they're not seeing what takes place for that. They're not understanding that I'm having to build a schedule for 30 trucks seven days a week. No one can fathom what that, what, how difficult that is. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm right here with you. So to bring this full circle back into relationships, because 
how do you find a woman right now who's going to understand what you're building right now? That's so that's what I'm saying. And I think that's why you said I'm going to bump into her. That that and I think I think that someone that is also a like-minded business person will already understand it. That's why and and I hate to say that cuz it kind of contradicts what I'm saying like I know what I want or whatever, but I think the only two qualities or traits specifically that will set the foundation for for me finding like a suitable candidate is someone that is interested in doing like bucket list things mm-hmm. and someone that is a go-getter or or already an entrepreneur because that individual will already have foundational respect for the time that is spent on building and the time that it takes. So like there's girls out there, right, that, that I've dated that the next morning they can just lounge around or they can just be chill or have maybe maybe they have a nine to five. But at the end of the day, they they don't understand. They think that because we don't have nine to fives mm. that we have more free time. And and that's true. That's, complete, <laughs> that's true, but it's, it's true and it's, it's so false. <laughs> exactly. It's so I don't know how to explain it. But no, but it's, it's, it's true in the sense that it's true in the sense that all right, I've done a bunch of work. I could if I've done if I've worked a whole month of July, I could take off. I could take off. Exactly. Hours. Exactly. And and when you work a nine to five, you can't do that. Exactly. So and it's the illusion of free time. It's ex- exactly. That's a, I, I literally could not have said it. I could not have said it better because that's, I think in relationships in the past, the illusion of free time has been my biggest problem because when I'm trying to compromise on like time value and spending specific time, it's hard to get take it's hard to have someone understand that like yes i can and i don't want to say i don't want to use this word waste time i can be less productive and do all these things that you that a, a traditional relationship would would have early on but what i would sacrifice in doing that is the sacrifice I'd make in building. So a lot of people, as you know, like know that I don't drink mm-hmm. um, and I don't smoke. And I and I honestly made that sacrifice early on when I was in college. If I did do that early on, I guarantee you I would not be anywhere close to where I am. And we all have our vices, right? Mm-hmm. There's things that we all have vices with that we like if we if I could take away this or if I could take away that, if I could take away skydiving. Or my adventure stuff, I'd be 190% tuned into the business, right? But I, but <laughs> so, so I, I'm sure I get there. I would have gotten there faster, but at the same time, I realized that like that, this illusion of free time is, has been my issue because I, I'm trying to build a castle and then crown my queen. And that's the mentality I have to a degree. It's, it's more so let watch me make or respect the sacrifices that I'm making now so we can do whatever you want later. That's how it's been for me. Yeah. I have, I have, I don't work a nine to five, so I, I can go on a trip or I can go 
do do what whatever but i'm choosing specifically to build now so that i can have the freedom later at the end of the day that's that's the only difference between an entrepreneur and an employee an employee is working for time and and we're trading time for work that's the only difference man it's you you describe something that every single one of my entrepreneur friends has gone through and it always starts out oh it's all good i know you're busy then it's like wait can you just not do that today can you just can you just come with me instead and eventually it's it's they are literally trying to stop you from doing the thing that you've been doing since they've met you correct so with that said at some point you said you do you do want to you do want to get married mm, of course do you think that when you f- crown your queen do you think that she'll be able to take a step back and work a little bit less to give them more attention or do you think that they will just be so on board with what you're doing you can still live life the same way i think that it will be one or two scenarios, right? It'll be like you just said, where um, maybe I'm able to step back or we'll be building together. And so the time, the, the t- essentially, here's the thing. People, people, people have relative perspective on what quality time is, right? Right. So to, to a trophy wife or to, to a traditional relationship quality time is like spending time with the kids and and family but when when two people are business-minded quality time to those individuals could be building right oh absolutely so so that i think and that's why i love like my brother's relationships it's like they're like power couples and so I, i i appreciate scenarios like that because it's like they're vibing off of each other you know, it's almost like a transformer. You put individually, you, you are already great. But when you find that person, it's like you can combine and be like divide and conquer. And so I think, um, yeah, I think to your point, it's either going to be um, one or the other, right? It's going to be, I'm going to be able to step back and, and prioritize things differently. And, and things when I'm, when I'm older or when I get, when I meet that special person, um, my whole views on things can change, right? That happens. I've seen that happen with my brothers. Their perspective on things changes and, and people's priorities change. I, I've seen that. But it also could be the iteration of that, which is where we are like, no, let's build. Let's make this, you know what I mean? And, and, that, and that be, yeah, and that, yeah. and that be, um, a, a, the for, like the foundation of the relationship as well, which I think, I think both scenarios are healthy. So yeah, uh, yeah, I agree with that, man. It's actually I won't mention any names, but I've had a um, a past relationship that I did notice the minute that she became an entrepreneur was the minute we started to understand each other a little bit more because she understood that. There is so much more to do when you're working for yourself. If anything, it's like you, you, you can't, 
you don't have time to be emotional about a situation because at the end of the day, when you wake up in the morning, you got to open your business. Exactly. So if you, you, there's, there's, so there's that illusion of time, but there's also the fact that sometimes you don't have any time and you don't have time to, to mess up. So, but yeah, what do you think a potential partner would actually value in you? The adventure, probably the adventure and focus at times. I think your lack of focus. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, focus in, focus in. I'm here's the thing. I'm able to focus on a lot of different things, but I think one thing that I think one thing looking from the outside looking in that someone would probably appreciate is is my willingness to do everything once or try something mm-hmm. that no one else would be willing to try. And because of that, I think we get more out of life, right? Like, like I'll give you an example. The reason why I have a perspective that I do is all the stuff that we've done with like the kids that deal like that have cancer. Mm, yeah. Um, they, that, they have changed my whole perspective on life. Um, and so like when you see like a seven year old that or an eight year old that has like terminal cancer or a 20 year old, someone that, um, is closer to our age, but not, not, not what we've been there. Yeah. Um, and they're at a mature age and it's like, this is their last birthday. When you see things like that, all, all I can think of is like, at the end of the day, what we're going to regret in life is the things that we did not do. You know what I mean? And so I think dealing with those kids, I think, I think there's two things you can do in life. You learn a lot from a child because of their innocence and what they haven't done yet. But then you learn a lot from someone that's very old that's in a retirement home. Me and my twin brother, we used to work at a retirement home. And you're looking, when you get to a point where you are looking at someone or having a conversation with someone that can no longer have the ability to do the things that we would want to as like youthful individuals, mm-hmm. you, I think you get an, a, a better perspective and wider value on on the things that matter in life. So, so to your point, um, I think what I would hope someone appreciates the most is my adventure side. So, yeah. Well, hopefully, uh, you know, next time we go to Mexico, we can find you a wife. <laughs> you know, we'll tell them uh, that so, you're Daniel Kalui. All right, so audience. He's single. <laughs> How do you set boundaries in relationships? It could be friendships, dating, family. What's something that you do to set boundaries? Um, with boundaries, I would say I try and focus on what that individual's why is, um, what their passions are. Um, and as I'm figuring that out, or as they're figuring that out about me, I, I try and reciprocate that, right? I'm trying to figure out um, what this person can't live without and vice versa, right? So if I'm to use an example, um, I like, I love to skydive. So if someone was to tell me like, um, that's not something that's gonna work, I would know right off the bat, that's not a boundary. Um, I'd be able to compromise with, right? So I do the same thing as if I was like dealing with someone or dating someone that was an artist. I 
wouldn't ask that person to to get rid of the canvases essentially right because that's something that is a part of them so when it comes to boundaries i think what i try and do is is it's a two-way street i look at what that individual needs to like have like without without an without a codependent individual right without a relationship what does that person need to be happy right and then i try and figure that out before i get in the picture i try and figure out what that person's boundaries are before I set mine, if that makes sense. So, like, say, say I'm, say I'm dating someone. I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure out what that, what drives that person, right? Mm-hmm. So, what, what can that person not live without? Mm-hmm. So, knowing that, knowing what boundaries or what the infrastructure that they're protecting is, I then can can understand, like, okay, I'm not gonna ask this person to stop doing this or stop doing this. I'm going to respect. I don't think you can build boundaries unless you respect that person's boundaries or ask. I don't think you can ask someone to respect your boundaries unless you know what their boundaries are. It's got to be reciprocated because at that point, it's just like a relationship where it's like, all right, this person wanting me to change all this stuff and I have not asked any, anything of her. So I, uh- yeah, so the question was just how do you set your own? Like, do you, um, is it is it very, do you have a conversation with people? I think that's my problem. I probably don't. I don't have an upward, like, conversation about, like, what my boundaries are. People find out. Um, You're right. In some sort of argument. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's true. You I don't. Think that's true. You're right. That's a good question. I don't think I'm, I'm very, like, forward when it comes to that type of stuff. People... People find out. And that's, I think that, that's a problem of mine, but I, I do figure out what people's boundaries are. I don't, I don't reveal it. I don't reveal what mine are. I, I'm pretty lax about stuff. You are. But, um, not as lax as you, as you are, bro, when you're going through crazy shit. But, (laughs) but I, I think that, I think I need to be a little bit more like wear my heart on my shoulder type, type, like in that, with, with regard to that. And anyway, it's good that you can actually look inside and be able to yeah, say that and you introspectively see exactly because then I, I can actually from being on the outside agree. Yeah, I think that you is a don't you you really don't set boundaries well, and I don't think I've figured out some of your boundaries until I've fought with you. <laughs> <laughs> and I told you my patience is I, I I don't have patience like you, bro. <laughs> That's one thing I'm gonna work yeah, on. You don't. That's one thing I'm gonna work on. I don't have patience. At all, you don't. You don't. You don't have patience. You don't uh, read patience. the full text messages. You read the first and last sentence, and that's why you miss a lot. <laughs> okay, so can you explain the importance of trust in a relationship? And maybe yes, I have an example. If you have any situations where your trust might have been broken or anything like that. Without saying names, um, yeah, so I have a good, a really good scenario. I think trust in a relationship is foundational. I think the moment you break it, it becomes a scenario where the relationship can get to a point where it's unhealthy. So in a scenario when I was dating um, someone, it was the smallest instance of trust that I've probably ever had to deal with um in a relationship and so anyways it was simply about knowing 
a friend of a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and three or four times I'd ask. Wait, wait, wait. You're saying this person, just, this person, this person knew a friend of yours. So it ended. It ended. They they had ended up dating um, before I before I got in the picture, which I wouldn't have cared had I known that. Right. Start from the beginning. So, okay. So the way the trust was broken was I had asked this person a few times if they knew this individual. And it wasn't even on like some insecurity situation. It's just that the the the, the way I met the girl was at the party. Um, it was a party promoter. And that party promoter's friend was a good friend of mine related to someone we both know. Okay. Um, and so three or four times the person said they didn't know them. And then I found out that they did. And I get why the she said she didn't know him. It's because she had dated him in the past. Um, but and, and I guess she thought that I was gonna be upset about that. And you wouldn't have been. Absolutely not. How could I how could I go back in time and change four years and be like, oh, you dated X, Y? How could I be mad yeah. about that? Right. And so um I had a very immature moment and said to myself, like, look, let's just be friends. It, everything went to hell for a little bit, for like two, three days. They had all their friends calling me and trying to make things work, whatever. But I literally said to myself, like, I'm not even, I'm not even mad at you. I'm literally just saying that because the trust is broken, the relationship would be so unhealthy because all you'd be doing is trying to win my trust. And that, I don't want you to have to do that. And so we literally broke up and we're the best of friends now. I respect that. Yeah. That's literally, I respect that's literally that. the, one of the, anytime I, I think about trust that I always revert back to that, that particular scenario. Yeah. I mean, when you're lying that early, you know, you, I mean, you never know yeah, what's going to happen. A reach on like something forward. that didn't even matter. Yeah. But yeah. And, and, all and, and, you, exactly. It's something very frivolous. Exactly. Very, very you, 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 all you, all you start to think about is if someone's willing to, to fib or lie about that, I don't want to know what, what, when yeah. they need to actually lie, what yeah. they're willing to lie about. So, yeah, so yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's, and that's all like that I could think of in my head. But at the same time, if we pressed on with the relationship, it would have been a scenario where it's like, she just would have been trying to earn my trust. And I don't think that's healthy and that's fair for her. So we're just friends now. Kudos to you for that. So we're coming towards the end. Um, I have two more questions for you. This question is for me. David, I've known you since college. I've known you've built some amazing businesses. I know you've made a decent amount of money, a lot of money. Why do you rent instead of owning a house? (laughs) You know, that's a crazy... That's a crazy question because, or not crazy, but that's a good question because one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't get into real estate. Really? Yeah. I didn't know this. Yeah. That's, that's literally one of my biggest regrets because in college I had the opportunity and I think if I had, I would, I would already be into rental properties because in the last four years, for example, and Daniel, my twin brother, is in commercial real estate. But the last four years, I brokered like maybe four or five 
commercial deals. For your and brother? I don't even have, no, no, I don't even have a real estate license. Oh, just in general? Just straight up. <laughs> oh, okay. And, and it's crazy because had I done that, and I, I guess there's always time, there's no, it's never too late, right? But had I done that, I think I would already have the knowledge to be able to get all of these food trucks into brick and mortars, which is what's, which is the reason why I'm brokering commercial deals, right? When, when you're dealing with food trucks, when you're dealing with that many food trucks, what it translates into is people are looking for brick and mortars. Like perma- a permanent place. Yeah. So, um, so your question, it, it literally is just one of those scenarios where it's like, I can honestly tell you that it's just me being straight up lazy. Even my dad was like, Hey, why, why don't you want to get a house? And I, I literally, I kid you not. The the question is, or the answer to me to to me is like, if I spend the time on on doing that, because I know when it comes to like uh, finding a home, it's one of the most stressful scenarios other than um, getting married. Mm. Um, it's just it's literally me just being lazy, and so I I think I have to carve out time because when we went to Brazil or some of these places, I when we saw the price of real estate, mm-hmm. it yeah. even made me regret not being attuned into real estate even more. Because when we saw the prices of those of those homes, it's just like I understand why people are just like buying Airbnbs and not not never even having gone to them, knowing that they're going to make money. So it's just even the business side of it. I can honestly tell you though. In Austin, I probably don't want to buy or own a home um, and, and actually uh, have a domicile in it. I don't want to live there. I'd probably just use it as an Airbnb. So, really? Yeah. So, you but, yeah, to your question, it's, it's, it's laziness. It honestly I don't know is. if it's laziness. I think you're distracted by whatever else. It, yeah, I mean, I, that, but that's, but, but that, but that's what I mean. So, but yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, 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 it's because, it's because there's stuff going on that I, I, I'm too lazy to, to be like, let me stop every, all of this. And you're right. Go look for home. But, but yeah, I've, I've thought that's, I'm telling you, that's my second biggest regret is scuba diving. Um, or not. Not, <laughs> it's funny, but not scuba diving in college. But in college, I had the opportunity to learn both of those things. And one was real estate and one was scuba diving. Those are one of, those are probably one of the two or two of my biggest regrets in life. Well, yeah, it's definitely not too late to start real estate. Yeah, though. So, I think, and, I think I, I am going to learn. I think that might be your next pivot. Yeah, for sure. That's a good point, actually. I think that actually might be your next because, pivot. Because, yeah, like, I mean, I'm telling you, bro, like, it's, it's so painful. Closing a commercial deal and being like, you don't have a real estate license, so you can't. And I have to do a side deal to get a commission. You know what I mean? Yeah. Spring, or splitting a commission. It's yeah, just, it's yeah, the yeah. most frustrating thing because commercial deals are really big deals. So yeah. it's like, but yeah. And I, I have called my brother at times where, um, to get like advice, um, when I'm trying to help some of these food trucks get their brick and mortars. But yeah, I think, I think that whether it be residential or just commercial side, I think having a knowledge of real estate from a wealth perspective is, is something that I should have done in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing. You know, a lot of people who, who do it. So I'm sure you can jump straight in. Well, it's been good talking to you, David. Absolutely. I have one more question for you. Yes, sir. Where can people find you and what's the impact that you want to have on the world? Good question. Um, online, 
I'm easy to, I'm easy, easily found. Um, ATX Food Truck Fest, um, or Facebook.com dash ATX Food Truck Fest, um, Food Truck Festival, uh, Austin Party Scene, um, David Poku, David.poku at Austin's Party Scene.com. Um, I'm gonna add the links. Yeah. <laughs> and to, to your second question, uh, my impact. Mm, that's a good question. I I genuinely enjoy helping or seeing people grow from like A to B. I genuinely do. Um, so I think if anyone is gonna remember or take anything from me, I think what it would be or what I would want that to be is progression like whether it be character development or entrepreneurship i think just progression because whether it's like us helping um those kids dealing with cancer or those families or us helping like some of our friends become more independent um i i think just the progression because it doesn't matter if if you have a million dollar company or you're selling lemonade um, like just last week, for example, I helped someone create a lemonade business and, and to me, I see the progress, even though it might be very incremental to them, mm-hmm. um, cause they don't have like a food truck or brick and mortar yet. It's the fact that you don't, the fact that you're able to quit your nine to five and now have the freedom to provide for like two or three kids by way of that. I think it's just the progression. People, I think, focus on like, oh, I don't want to do this because there's someone that's already, the, someone that already knows, already successful doing it. And it took five years or whatever. I think it's the little steps. So I, I want to be known for, or the impact I would, I'd say I want people to have is, is just focus on the progression of, of just getting better. Cause when, even when you started, I would, I'd always like, like joke around. <laughs> I know it's joke around, but low key. I mean, just just looking at how you st- you literally got a camera. I remember that one, this one time you like, were this man my apartment. No, it's funny. I remember <laughs> that one time where you brought a camera to 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 my apartment. Um yeah. and we were in the business center at the computers, and I was just like, What do you mean you got a camera? He's like, Yeah, I'm gonna start photography. And at that time, video. I realized, yeah, video, video. Straight. Everyone at, says yeah. photography. <laughs> at that time, I was like, what do you mean, bro? You can't just, you can't just pick up a camera and say you want to start videography. And I, and I think that like, if you have a why and a will, you can like, not to be cliche, but you can do what you put your, what you set your mind to. And I mean, look at you now, you're doing weddings and you're, you know what I mean? You're a content creator yeah. doing stuff for Uber, like th- that type of stuff. Like seeing the progression of it, mm-hmm. it lets me know. It reminds me, like this little this little person here, or this person that has no confidence, um, that wants to be like an Olympic swimmer, whatever, whatever the situation, it's possible because I've seen someone or people or groups of people that literally were learning something for the first time build an a complete business that they no longer have to work a nine to five. For. Yeah. Uh, from so that I think that is what I would want to I guess 
have the mindset to impact or if, the, if there's if anyone's ever going to take anything from me i hope it's like one of two things right live a life a bucket list type of life or just focus on the small incremental progression because at the, at that at at some point it's going to be bigger than what you initially thought it was so, mm, yeah. so you want to help you want to help dream people. big essentially you want to help people progress yeah progress what whatever it is i mean i like i said i've realized that like yeah some people to to some people's perspective this business or that business may be small but it's not to the person that started with nothing and now has it mm-hmm. you know what i mean and so like if you would have asked me like 5 years from now that oh you're going to be running scheduling 40 food trucks or whatever i'd be like no oh, bro you know what i mean yeah. but now i am so, or like with you, like, oh, you're going to be doing videos and like, you're going to be doing content for companies like Uber, whatever. You never yeah, yeah. thought, you know what I mean? Like, and maybe you did, but to, to the outside looking in, it's the progression, I think, that is more significant than the arrival of where you are now. I think the progression of it, people look at where we are today and, and they're like, ah, they don't connect the dots. Yeah. But the, it's the journey it's in between journey. that that makes I think that that much more special because we didn't get here overnight, but we also didn't spend our entire life to get here. We we worked hard, so we 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 got here sooner than maybe we we might have liked to, or sooner than or sorry, it may, it may it may have taken longer than we wanted, or maybe we got here sooner than we wanted. But um, I think the at the end of the day, the journey in between that progression is really what you're going to remember and take from everything because people don't people will never know that progression so yeah i saw you i saw you grow you've seen me grow you know what i mean i think when the one thing i do appreciate um being a friend of yours is like we motivate like a lot of our friends are all like a lot of the people that are in my immediate circle they're independent or financially like independent and i think because we are insulated by friends that kind of have the same mindset as us, mm-hmm. it continues to motivate us. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. As an incredible story, I want them to to live life um on the edge and and, and do things almost just like uh Jeff, outside of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Like that, I think that I think if you look at um some of the things I do. They're fearful things from the outside looking in. So I think the moment you jump out of your comfort zone, you might realize that like you're, you're more than capable of doing a lot of the things that your mental boundaries have set up, like your mental, mm-hmm. um, blockades, if you will, right? There's things that we all think we can't do, just like with real estate, right? That's the blockade I have. I, I haven't gone in that direction, but. Obviously, we can get there. I think so. My impact, I'd say, is I want people to have the perspective of like just because this is scary, or just because I'm not comfortable doing this, or just because I've never done it. Just go out there and do it. You might find that you like it. I always tell people one of my um, greatest fears, which was heights, is my greatest hobby, which is skydiving. So. Mm. Yeah, I think living outside of your comfort zone or doing things that you wouldn't think you'd ever do um, is is the impact of the mindset of of an impact that I would want people to have. If that answers your question, (laughs) 
<laughs> it does. I appreciate you, David. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate you coming on. This it's man has a pleasure, helped brother. me in so many ways. Likewise. Stay tuned for the next one, guys. See ya. The Sacred Jonas Podcast.